0: Welcome to the Scale of Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Nick Meta, the CEO of Gainsight. Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Mike. Great
0: to be here. So, we are living a very special moment nowadays with with this pandemic crisis, and we are looking forward to to learning with you. Uh, what is going on uh, at Gainsight and uh, in the portfolio of customers that that you serve. So, and try to collect uh, best practices to help all the founders and executives that are uh, tuning in to, to listen to the podcast. But before, uh, you don't need any presentation, but it would be amazing to to get to know a little bit more about your career and how did you end up sure. starting up Gainsight and creating the customer success uh, category. So, let's start with you. So, who is? Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a complex question. I'm still trying to figure it out
1: myself, but um, the quick, quick uh, biographical version is um, uh, m- uh, married for almost 20 years with three kids. Uh, that's kind of the center probably of my story um, and, um, and grew up in uh, the east coast of the U.S. in Pennsylvania. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, he never had anything big, but had some small businesses and kind of around, you know, grew up around a lot of technology, computers, things like that. And so I kind of was into technology from the time I was a kid. Um, In college, I uh, got invited by a classmate to help co-found a startup in the um, early internet days, the dot-com, the first dot-com days. So I helped start a company as a co-founder that was in the e-commerce space. And that company actually ended up doing well for a while, but eventually the dot-com crash happened and we ended up, you know, selling the business but not making any money. So we kind of, that was my first experience of kind of going through a crisis um, nice. and then I worked at worked at a large company, um Symantec, for about five and a half years. I eventually ran a division there, and so I had the experience working at a bigger company and then I got um hired to run my first company where I was a CEO of this lo- lo- my last three prior to game site called Live Office, which was a SaaS business kind of in the cloud, and actually, in that business running it, I learned all about how important existing customers are and customer success and churn. And that's actually why I do what I do today. So, But I, we eventually sold LiveOffice and actually had a good outcome and sold it to Symantec. And then I took some time off and I've been now doing Gainsight for about seven, a little more than seven years.
0: Well, that's, that's pretty amazing. And for uh, the listeners who'd like to, to know more uh, about Gainsight and get another perspective on, on the scaling up. Uh, stage of Gainsight, you can also listen a uh, previous episode with Alison Pickens, which was the former CEO at Gainsight, and co right. author of uh, some books with you, Nick, right? So what are That's some exactly of the books right, that, yeah. that people can can read and, and learn more about the customer success category? Uh... Yeah, we were really fortunate to uh,
1: help author that, um, myself and another executive named Dan Steinman, and then a colleague who's not a Gainsight named Lincoln Murphy. We wrote this book called Customer Success, and it was kind of become the standard book for our field. It's um, sold more than 60,000 copies. It's very popular amongst management teams. You can find it on Amazon or other book, bookstores. And it's all about basically how are companies that have subscription-based business models refocusing on their existing customers and how do we make sure that those customers are getting the value they were looking for. And in that process, they stay with you and they grow over time and, and they don't leave you. And that topic has been relevant literally the whole last seven years, but it's probably never been more relevant than right now, um, because obviously right now, a lot of companies, they're not getting new customers. And so the only thing you can do is keep your customers. So yeah, that's the book, Customer Success. And then Allison Pickens and I are working on and will be releasing in about May of the second uh, follow-on to that first book that's now all about customer success across the whole economy, not just in SaaS businesses but actually lots of different industries. And then finally, two of our colleagues did a third book called the Customer Success um, Handbook. And that's basically all about the day-to-day practices. If you're a CSM, how do you do day-to-day? So you can look Got for it. that on Amazon as well.
0: Got it, amazing. And, and just to help the audience to understand in what kind of scale um, Gainsight is, so. What is the current ad ad count and the interval in terms of ARR? You you don't need to disclose, of course, uh, numbers, but is it from fifty to one hundred million? Is it already one hundred million plus? Um, yeah, it's in that it's in the
1: high end of that fifty to one hundred million, and um, uh, and it's uh, we're about just under seven hundred employees.
0: Globally. Got it. Amazing. And, uh, and and what are some of the the biggest challenge now to, to scale a a beast like, like this one? So, which is quite amazing to, to be in this, uh, fight to get to 100 million and and start thinking about one B, which, which would be the the next big challenge. So the biggest, what are the biggest challenges you mean in scaling Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's so many, it's uh, obviously you could write a whole whole book on that. Um, but, um, I think just to try to pick some that aren't so obvious, cause there's a lot of obvious ones. You know, how do you scale the team? Yeah. How do you scale the culture? Right. Those things are good and important. And, uh, but just some, some that are a little bit more subtle that I picked up. I think when you think about your actual uh, market, um, what's interesting is there's some businesses where the core market they're in scales up to billions and billions and billions of dollars without any additional stuff, right? Like Got probably it. the ultimate all time is Google AdWords, right? They had a great idea. And it's like, yeah, who would want p- pay-per-click advertising self-service online? And that turned into a tens of billions of dollar business without ever getting into um, all the other things they do, like Google Cloud or, you know, self-driving cars. Just that core business was really big. But honestly, right. for a lot of companies, your first idea, your, what people call your first act in the, kinda, in the analogy of a play, isn't always on its own enough without some evolution to get to a billion or you know, 10 billion or whatever. And so usually people are, you know, as they get to their kind of a certain size, 20 million, 50 million, they start thinking what's that next vector of growth, right? And it's pretty straightforward. One vector is to go after more um, more segments in your existing addressable market. So for example, maybe you sell to SMB and you wanna go to enterprise, or maybe you sell to enterprise, you wanna go to SMB. A second vector is more geographies. Um, Maybe you sell in the US, you wanna go to Europe, right? Uh, A third vector is uh, more kind of products uh, to that same buyer maybe you sell a certain type of value prop, maybe you can expand that. Um, a fourth value prop vector is more buyers that you can sell to your same customers. So maybe you sell to marketing, now you can sell to sales. And then uh, then finally, a fifth, fifth uh, vector is actually more verticals. You know, maybe you sell into financial services, now you go into healthcare. There's probably other ones too, by the way. But I think that really structurally thinking about your TAM, your addressable market, and being able to think about what are the different strategies and not letting that hit you in the face because for a lot of companies, they kind of go with their first act. And then all of a sudden, they get to the end of the road, and the company slows down, because they've gotten to the point where maybe their core TAM is still growing a little bit, but it's not growing as fast as their ambitions. That's one thing I think for scaling up is really scaling up your addressable market. And honestly, in some ways, it's the most important thing, because if you don't have that, none of the other stuff really matters that much. A second kind of tactical thing that I think might be less obvious is, when you look at culture, a lot of CEOs are probably passionate about culture. I'm extremely passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that hit me a few years ago was when an employee said they're leaving Gainsight. And I said, why, um, tell me more about what do you love about Gainsight and why you why are you leaving? And they said, oh, Gainsight, it's like the best place I've ever worked. And I said, wait, and you're leaving? Like, how is that possible? And, <laughs> and he said, I don't know. Honestly, I don't see eye to eye with my manager." And so there's this very famous old expression that people join companies and they leave managers. And so the thing that hit for me is, wow, no matter what I do, I can't personally make sure all 700 people at Gainsight are having a great experience. I can't check in with all of them every week. I can't like know everything going on. And if, if those managers aren't doing a great job, then I'm not going to be able to deliver. It doesn't matter how great a culture is at the high level, right? And so, therefore, we invested in leadership classes and management classes and things like that. And so, those two things, scaling the TAM and scaling the management, the managers at the first line, I think those are a lot of things we didn't do, honestly, early enough. And I think maybe some of you might not as well.
0: This is quite amazing because uh, the three critical ingredients to scale that we always discuss in the show are... Radical focus, which is completely aligned with what you just discussed in in the first vector of of the challenge that you shared. So when is the right timing to add complexity or to add new variables? Might it be geography, segments, products, whatever it is? Uh, And second is about world-class leadership. So having the right leaders in the right seats for each stage of growth and finally, the culture of execution that is connected with uh, with the second one. So it's it's amazing how aligned it. uh, we are in in the show. I love so that. Let's let's address the this pandemic crisis that um, we are all living. So we are recording this episode on April sixteenth because nowadays it's it's very relevant when we are uh, recording yeah. <laughs> the podcast just for the audience to have a context. Maybe if you are tuning in just in just in May, it might be we might be in a very different uh, world. But this, this is this the context that that we have today uh recording this this podcast um starting with radical focus so it's very tempting in a situation of crisis to um, to 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 forget our vision our mission our our values and to go to a survival mode or fear based uh mindset so how did you re- redefine the priorities for for gainsight when when you observe uh, observed that that's the pandemic crisis uh, was coming, right, in the last weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you put the date on because it's very possible that the world is radically different by the time you're <laughs> listening to this. And I
0: hope, I hope it's radically
1: better, although we, we don't know, right? Um, and I say, I'll I think we all have to recognize, you know, especially if we're in business and technology, you know, we're still a small part of the overall equation and the amount of human suffering out there is massive. So it's to be empathetic to like the things bigger than our companies. But still, we have our companies and we have to figure out what do we do in those companies. And I think, I think that the, from a radical focus perspective, the way we've approached it is, okay, first of all, you can't just keep doing what you were doing before, right? Like there's, um, there's a great, there's a quote, uh, from an economist in the early 20th century in the U.S. named John Maynard Keynes. And it says, um, when, yeah, he said, when, when the facts change, when the situation change, I change my priorities. What do you do? Like in other words, some people don't change because they don't want to change. But the reality is if the facts change, you've got to change. And so a lot of companies, uh, because the COVID crisis hit so many countries in March, a lot of companies had defined their plan for the year for 2020 and rolled it out. And all of a sudden it became irrelevant. And that was true for Gainsight. Like we put a lot of work into our strategic plan and our fiscal year starts February 1st. So February 1st, we're like, this is a new plan for the new year. Very exciting. And then the truth is, it's not completely <laughs> relevant anymore. Now, now it's not totally irrelevant as I'll describe because there's things that maybe carry forward, but um, a friend of mine um, said, said it well, he said, you need to have kind of a going away party for your old plan. You need to say, look, it was a great plan. We enjoyed it, <laughs> right. but we're going to do something new. And so what we did is we, we use, um, we, we try to put our whole strategy into one page for the employees. It's called one page strategic plan you can Google it. There's a template for this online. And what we try to do is we, we put, Our purpose for the company, which never changes, we have a purpose statement for our company, which is actually all all about how we do business. We talk about doing business in a more human first way. And then we've got our values for a company that never change. So those are at the top of the sheet. And those are the same every year. And then we've got our vision for the year and then our priorities for the year, right? That's kind of like the, what do we want to accomplish and how are we going to accomplish it? And that's what we changed. So we said, okay, for the vision for the year, the way to answer that question is, what does the world need from us right now? Um, and we, and how does that help our business? Right. And so what we defined is the, in our case, right. uh, You know, we're, we're fortunate that I think one of the most important things right now for companies is retaining their clients. And that's actually what Gainsight helps companies do. And so we said our, uh, our vision for this year is we want to be able to thrive during these tough times by helping our clients better retain their clients. You know, that's very, very simple, right? That's like the world needs that from us right now. And we can help. And so I'd encourage you to, as you think about that mission vision for the year, what's the thing the world needs from you right now? And I guarantee there's something that you can do. Um, And obviously some companies are literally, their manufacturers that are becoming mask manufacturers or ventilator manufacturers, right? And that's amazing. That's like the true, true vision. But for all of us, there's something we can do. I know companies have pivoted their product strategy to enable work from home. They've enabled uh, more virtual for their customers. So that's the vision. And then we said, OK, what are the priorities? What's that, that, the how to make that vision a reality? And so what we did was we looked at our old priorities and said, which of these still apply? So some of these still apply in the new world. But then we said, what, like, if we had to rank all these, what are the new things we have to do? And we built a pyramid. And some of you probably know about this thing called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's a very famous psychological thing that says, you know, for human beings, we have a pyramid of our own needs. We need to be able to survive and be fed, sheltered and fed and things like that. And then eventually we think about things like sports and philosophy and books right. and whatever. Right. And, and so same way for our company, what's at the bottom. So for us, I'll just give you the high level at the bottom is we need to ensure our own financial durability, right? Well, luckily we have actually a fortunate to have a lot of cash on our balance sheet, but we have to make sure we keep it that way. And you know, we our cash flow and all those things. Right. And then the next level is we need to support our teammates their families and our community through this crisis. Because if we don't get our team, our community through this, then none of the other stuff will matter, right? So financial durability, supporting our team, family, community. The third one for us then is we need to retain and support our own clients, right? So our clients, just like everyone else's, we have to make them really support and retain. Okay, those are the three that are what I call survival, right? And then the question is on top of that, how do you thrive? And so then we put in a few other priorities. I won't get into the minutia, but just to get, they all are related to this idea of, what does the world need from us right now? So what are the products we need, they need right now? What are the services, et cetera? And we kind of stack them on top. And then we show that pyramid to employees and say, first, we're going to make sure that bottom happens. We financially durable, support our team, family, community, and, and retain our clients. And then it's like, let's do these new things to help us thrive during this new world. And that, that's basically how we revised our strategy.
0: That's uh, an amazing summary. And I love the, the analogy with the Maslow pyramid. Um, so, something that we have been recommending is uh, take care of you, so only if you are in great shape and self-centered and yeah. balanced, you are able to take care of your team, so your team is yeah. able to take care of your customers, uh, so your customers are able yeah. to keep operating and bringing the cash that we need to keep feeding and securing uh, the well-being of, of the team. Uh, with the purpose to serve uh, the customers, and that's a, a virtual, a virtuous cycle or a, a vicious cycle if it is if it is yeah. work, if it is not working right. So it's it's. I, a really- I love that that framework. That
1: framework, Mike. One other comment I would make is: so first of all, that is an awesome framework too, in the very line. Second of all, the thing I want to maybe leave people with is: I, I think that there's a radically different strategy companies are taking during this crisis. Um, it's a much more human uh, strategy. So I think in past crises, it was, you know, dollars and cents, you know, letting people off cutting, et cetera. And it was just, just about money. Um, I've spoken to so many CEOs of big companies who basically said, no, our job right now is to serve. You said it wrong. Yeah. It's to serve, find a way to be of service. And like, this is actually much bigger than business. This is humanity. And I think that's very inspiring. I'm seeing, I'm seeing companies who are doing unbelievable things that aren't probably financially short-term the right thing. But they're basically like how do we serve in this tough time it's really powerful
0: absolutely and, and for the ones who are looking for inspiration in in these hectic times uh we i strongly recommend you to read the the story of onda so Honda has been through uh some of the first and the second world war and the story is just incredible incredible so we needed to pivot yeah. so many times Uh, and to compete with uh, Toyota, uh, another uh, auto-manufacturing company. And another great story that we had in the podcast very recently is uh, BASF, who was born in uh, 1824 or something uh, around there. So they have faced the last Spanish flu, and they are still alive with almost, uh, I would say, I don't know, uh, but it should be around 50 uh, billion uh, U.S. dollars of uh, in revenue. so it's it's kind of it, it's possible, and we can make the difference, and we can go through different crises and 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 stay here to to count the story and to make the difference, um, as you said, Nick. And and going for the second uh, ingredient, uh, the world class leadership or world class teams. So. Our teams are our mirror, and, and the first thing that we need to work as leaders is to work on ourselves, and and really to walk the walk and, and, and talk the talk, uh, or walk the talk. And, um, uh, and in, in that sense, sometimes it's very complex to quickly, quickly shift from a peacetime mindset to a wartime mindset. Uh, usually, entrepreneurs are much more, co- more comfortable in a wartime uh, mindset. Sometimes in the peacetime environment, that's when sometimes some entrepreneurs are not able to scale because it gets too boring for them and they want to look for problems. And that's why they complicate their own lives when scaling up their, uh, their, their companies. But sometimes also the mix of the team in the wartime and, and peacetime needs to be a little bit different. Maybe some leaders that are less present in in peacetime time are now much more present in wartime and vice versa. So what are you seeing in terms of structuring the team for those um, crisis times that we are living today?
1: Yeah, and, and you're talking about in terms of communication and things like that, Mike, right? Ex- exactly. Sorry about yeah. the, the yeah.
0: <laughs> complex question. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. there's a lot. And I, and it's interesting because one one comment I'll make, I think, I think there is definitely a good analogy of wartime and peacetime. And a lot of people have talked about that. And if you don't know the original reference, I think it came originally from Ben Horowitz wrote, wrote this book on, it's called the hard thing about hard things. It's about being a CEO during tough times, very good book. And he talks about wartime CEO. I, I I think that the framework is good. I do think that, like I mentioned before, there may be possible we're, we're seeing a third kind of CEO right now. Um, war is actually implying there's a direct enemy, and you're just going to go defeat them. Um, and there is in some way with a virus. But actually, in some ways, this is some kind of new type of CEO, that's like a human time CEO, or there's a better word for it. But I would say that I, I challenge us to find something even new. But there's yeah. parts of this wartime that I think makes sense. It, you know, a huge thing is communication. So I'm sure if you're a founder or CEO, you've done this already. But your communication should be 10 X what it was, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, and it is for me and I already communicated a ton. and just to give you kind of like the high level on that, what does that look like? So pre COVID, um, you know, we, we, I, I send a, um, actually for like last 20 years or so leading teams, every Sunday night I send an email to the whole company that says, what are the, what's, what are the things that they need to know that are happening in the company? You know, what's a tip that they can have to learn to get better? What, um, what's happening in my personal life? What am I reading? What am I watching? What's happening with our kids? And so this kind of like, like message to connect everyone together. And I've done it for like literally about 20 years in a row every week. And so something I've kind of got, that's, that's just a natural thing I do. And then every week at our company, we do a Monday kind of company meeting, like a quick 30 minute meeting. We've always done that. Um, and I'm in that, although I'm historically, I wasn't always like front and center in that I'd be in some and not in others. What I've changed, uh, with, with COVID is a few things. So number one is that, um, weekly meeting I'm speaking every week, uh, for 15, 20 minutes about what's happening in the company. Cause there's just so much happening. Right. Second thing we've added in is we actually have a daily morning call uh, on zoom at 7:45 AM Pacific. And basically like right before people are jumping into their work day uh, for people in the U S and, um, and we basically don't do work stuff at all. It's actually really just fun, like, like, one day there was bring your pet to Zoom. You brought your dog or cat. One day people brought their kids and they did a kid's talent show. Um, today, this morning, everyone talked about their favorite internet meme, like, you know, the GIFs and memes and stuff like that. Right. So the idea was just like purely like just what you would do around the water cooler, but virtual, right? So we do that. We added in, um, I added in my daily Slack post. So I filled my weekly email, but I do a daily just like what's happening and people really appreciate the real time unfiltered. It's completely just stream of consciousness what happened for me today and so that's my I call it quarantine diaries right so the diaries from quarantine and I, right, I think I'm on day 23 of it and it's every day it's just like I met this customer you know this one is doing great this one you know wants to turn this one needs to push out payments you know this employee is doing great and just literally a stream of consciousness and and like how I'm doing personally and you know, I was tired today or um, I went for um, a really long walk today I'm trying to walk a lot more I, put, I show how many steps I had, you know, and like that kind of thing, right? And so trying to really uh, increase the daily communication. We, um, as a management team, instead of just meeting once a week, we now meet once for like an hour, but then two other times is kind of a quick standup. So we're trying to just have that more frequent kind of communication as a team. And then, then the other thing I've changed about communication is there's a mix of the, I'm a very positive person. So there's the natural positive, hey, we can do this, et cetera but also be empathetic. So just to give you an example, you know, one of the hardest things right now is people that have two parents working uh, in their jobs from home with young children with no school. And that's a very challenging situation, right? And our kids are seven, 11 and 14. So they're a little more self-sufficient, but some people have like a four-year-old and a two-year-old and two working parents and a small apartment. And so the the last thing I've done is try to build in a mix of positivity, but also empathy that you know, one of the things I tell people is, it's okay if you don't feel okay right now. Like if you don't feel like things are great, that's fine. Um, not it's not always great, including for me. And so, trying to be very human with people. Um, those are some of the things we've done.
0: That's that's an amazing uh, summary. And you you went through the Thanks. the last ingredients of the culture of execution and our communication. And yeah, should should flow. And so, what what are what are some of some of the challenges that you are facing, personally, yourself, to 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 grow quicker than than the company uh, in times in times of scale and in times like this. So, what are some of the yeah. um, practices that you that you do for yourself to be better prepared to to win more energy and to be in better shape for for you and for your family and your team? Yeah,
1: that's great. I think there's like like you said, you got to take care of yourself and then and then take care of your team and. And so the self side is, I think, very important. And so I've kind of, I, I think what I've learned is that uh, the new routine we all have is very taxing. Everyone that I talk to is extremely tired right now. And it's ironic because we don't travel anymore. We don't commute anymore. And yet we're more tired. And so what's pretty obvious is uh, Zoom meetings are great, but they're taxing. And there's some actually research about literally looking at pe- people on a screen and looking at their camera. And it's kind of actually exhausting mentally. And, and just because the bar is so low for meetings, we can end up with a lot. Actually, last week I had 85 Zoom meetings, uh, which is wow. an un- unbelievable number, right? And wow. so there's some things I'm doing to try to take care of myself. One, one is basically uh, trying to take some meetings not through Zoom um, and actually making them just calls. So you don't always have to look at your screen and things like that. Um, so ironically, like Zoom is great, but in, like everything in moderation. Second is then because they are calls, can I do them as walks? So I do a lot of walking and walking meetings and one-on-one I just put my headphones on I walk around the neighborhood and I'll walk a ton, you know, yeah. 15,000 steps in a day sometimes. Right. To really try to get
0: that's, that. That's a great Third one, thing
1: yeah. is I definitely, am, I've always been a believer of sleep. So I try to sleep, you know, eight, nine hours a day as much as I can. Um, sometimes a little, little more restless right now, obviously COVID, but I, I keep my, I've always kept my phone for a few years out of my bedroom. So I don't, I just read a paperback, a paper book and stuff like that. So those are things I'm trying to do for myself. And, you know, I get to have dinner with the family every night because I'm home, right? Things like that. Um, And then if I kind of think about what I'm doing for the business beyond what I've mentioned already, one thing I'm trying to do is really, really be listening because the amount of change, just like you said, this podcast is recorded on April 16th. The world is changing so unbelievably fast. And so what I'm doing is saying, what are the different areas I need to learn? So one area I need to learn is continuously what's happening in the macro environment, right? Because we all have to figure out what's going to happen. Everyone's doing that. But of course, that means for me, reading the McKinsey and Bain reports, meeting the Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley reports and all the investment banking stuff to see what's, the, what's happening in the future and you know, what's the medical forecast for vaccine and, and those kinds of things. And then also talking to other CEOs to understand how they're processing their business. Like what are they doing? How are they cutting expenses? How are they managing? How are they coming up with new ideas? But much like the questions you asked me, Mike, really asking those questions to other, other people. And I've talked to you know probably a hundred CEOs in the last like two or three weeks um, just about you know, these questions. And then the third thing is really talking to our customers, right? In our case, that's kind of chief customer officers, heads of customer success. And trying to figure out, like, what is top of mind right now? So, like, in our example, in our world, right, what's top of mind? Um, How do I deal with customers that say they can't pay right now and they want to pay later? How do I deal with customers that want to reduce their licenses of my software or services? And so I'm learning what's top of mind, and I'm going to our product team and our marketing team and saying, can we change our message and our product strategy to be even more relevant? What new products can we offer? What new packages? What new messages? And so really, really listening and, and changing and being willing to change, right? Normally, I think as a CEO, if you change a lot, it's a liability because you got to be consistent and focused. But I think right now, honestly, if you're not evolving and adapting, it's, very, it's a scary situation. Now, you don't want to change every day and things like that, right? but you want to actually be learning every single day. So I'm doing an unbelievable amount of in- interaction with other people. That's why the 85 meetings or whatever in a week. Uh, because i'm trying to understand what's happening and also trying to get the message out about how we can help
0: it's It's curious to see and uh I love the customer success category that you have created and that you have raised awareness across all industry um, because there is a huge temptation in a in the industry that um needs growth that needs to scale to 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 scale two or three x every single year. Uh, it's very tempting to always look for new customers and uh, attract new customers at uh, any cost and forgetting yeah. uh, about the current uh, customer base. And it's curious to see across some some leaders that uh, they are a little bit confused and, and uh, frustrated that they are not able to acquire new customers. And they believe it's, it's, it's still not their job to take care of the current customer base. So th- this is something that should be done in any way. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm able to explain myself uh, clearly, but what I, what I want to say is they believe that the real job is about attracting new customers, not about taking care yeah. of the current customers. That, that, that's what I wanted to say. And now they even focus more themselves more on attracting new customers and finding ways to grow. Uh, in this challenging um, environment, any any message for those kind of leaders who are a little bit frustrated with new business uh, on the way that they can get excited about taking care of the current customer base and finding out opportunities to grow uh, in the in their customer base?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I completely understand the psychology. Like um, historically, people would say sometimes that CEOs are either product oriented or sales oriented, right? And so some right. people are really passionate about the product, and some sales. And we've always advocated, there's a new third kind of CEO that's customer oriented, right? And that's, and that's you know, you really have to be all three. Um, you have to be able to balance that. But I think you're totally right. Out of practical necessity, what's happening now is you, it's harder to get new logo sales. And so if you're customer oriented, you can keep your customers, but you can also sell more to them. I mean, there's customers right now who are growing in your base and that'll buy yeah. more, but also where they want to consolidate spend. And maybe you have multiple products and they're using one of them. But if they can do all your products, they can cut out some other vendors. That's happening right now. And you are either on the positive side of right. that, where you're going to help people reduce spend, or you're on the negative side, where they're going to cut you out. And so I think CEOs are doing this kind of almost out of necessity, whether that's like the nature or not. What, one of the examples, just to show you, we did a webinar last week with chief revenue officers who, again, historically would focus on new sales. And it was all about how sales teams can focus more on their, installed, their existing customers, right? And we have the CRO of Dropbox and another company called Flexera, and they were presenting about how they're just focused on their existing clients now, like a huge, huge focus. Now for CEOs, like the question is, well, how do you do that? What do you do to like change that mindset? I think uh, there's some practical things you can do. One is you can tell your engineering and product team, the job right now is in, is renewals and retention. So how, what do we need to do? Talk to CS and like prioritize the things that are, re- are going to help renewals and retention, like if there's a big customer and it needs an integration, let's just go build it right now, right? Really focusing on that. I've been trying to do that in our own business, right? A second thing you yeah. can do is put your personal time in. So really try to actually get connected to the executives at your clients. And often if you're the CEO, you have more of an ability to do that than your team. So how many of those are you doing? I, I do like 20, 30 of these calls a week. And so how many of those are you doing right now to stay connected with your clients at the exec level? Uh, by the way, it's easy to connect with people right now because, before you even get into business, you can just talk about what are you doing for COVID, right? It's a very natural <laughs> discussion, but then you can easily get into the business side of it. And so you can help personally, you can help with the prioritization, you can help with the message. Um, and by going back to that pyramid I drew, right, you, you noticed that I said, financial durability, support our team, and then keep our clients and then new sales, right? And if you release something similar to your company, saying that first, we got to keep our clients, and then we can get new ones, that'll help really re- refocus things.
0: Got it. That's awesome. Nick, we we came to the last question of the show and uh, one of our favorites uh, ever, which is, if you would have the opportunity uh, to meet Nick uh, seven years ago when you started uh, Gainsight, what advice would you offer to your younger self?
1: Oh, my gosh. So much. Um, uh, So uh, probably uh, outside probably invest in Amazon stock because that's gone up more than probably anything <laughs> during our time period. So, um, but but if within, within Gainsight itself, I'd say that um, this rhythm of, of planning uh, and goal setting, it sounds pretty obvious, right? Like, you know, this priority list and stuff like that. Yeah. And it sounds kind of like in some ways as a CEO, I find myself thinking early on, oh, well, everyone in our company knows what the priorities are. We all talk about them all the time, right? And probably in the early days, that's true because you're all in one room or there's 10 people or whatever. And it very quickly happens that people don't all understand the priorities and they don't understand what you're focused on. And so we had this period of, of a few years where we were too big for everyone to know what was going on. But somehow I hadn't adjusted to building a rigorous process for goal setting and priorities and planning. And that is to me super important. We have like somebody on our company, on our team, it, the titles kind of business operations. And she basically like this is a huge chunk of her job. And she's basically helping to revise the strategic priorities and make sure we're communicating them and make sure everyone's bought in and having a weekly way to re- review them. And it sounds like big company stuff, but you'd be surprised how quickly your company needs it. My guess is you know, you're 70, 50, 7,500 employees and, and people are more disconnected than you realize as the CEO, because in your, your mind, in my mind, it's all very obvious, but to other people, it's not so obvious. And that's the biggest thing I've, I, I wish I had told
0: myself. Love it. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Absolutely. So don't, don't assume, just check that people got it and make them repeat uh, what you have said okay. to make sure that communication has flown. Perfect. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for making the time to share your experience with us uh, and looking forward to having you again uh, later on the show uh, in the post-COVID uh, era.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And to you and to everyone listening, please stay safe and all the best to your friends and family during these tough times.
0: Thank you, Nick. And to our community, as, as Nick said, stay healthy. We keep bringing you the best of the best, uh, working really hard and smart uh, to help you. Have the best methodologies, the best practices, and the best tools to help you navigate this pandemic crisis and scaling up, finding a way of leveraging this opportunity, and preparing to to scale up in in the post-war uh, period. See you soon. Stay healthy.